Good evening and welcome to episode 305 of the Private Property Podcast. I'm your host, Uzamantu Mwakumalo. It's a Monday edition of the Private Property Podcast. And if you're joining us for the first time, you are tuned into the only daily property podcast in South Africa. Welcome to the family. We absolutely love hearing, having you with us and we hope that you're going to Keep joining us every single evening as we explore all things related to property. Make sure that you go to our Facebook or our YouTube page to catch up on all the great content that we've already put from the top and gang members on Facebook and to all of you who are watching us on uh, on Instagram as well as on YouTube. Welcome. Uh, you know how we do it every single weekday. You and I have an appointment at 7 p.m. We will always unpack a hot property topic uh, and certainly um, in conversation with an expert who helps us navigate our property journey. It doesn't matter where you are in your property journey. You might be a tenant who may be a landlord looking to buy, to sell, or to build. We're certainly here to help you out, give you the best knowledge that can help you on your journey. So do make sure that you keep uh, your below. I want to see who is marking the register and is present this evening. And of course, follow us across our social media pages on Instagram, on TikTok, uh, on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube at Private Property. You can also follow myself at Zamantuma underscore K on Instagram as well as on Twitter. Now, I know that one of the top band gang members was holding it down on Friday. Mata Shingange uh, was hosting the show. I was feeling a little under the weather. Thank you very much to Mata for keeping you company. I think it's so great that, you know, we had just had her for the 300th episode with other top band members. And of course, she was able to hold down the fort. It really does go to show that one of the great things that we're able to do is that we're also cultivating talent as much as we're making sure that we're growing as property entrepreneurs, but certainly also uh, seeing what other skill sets uh, members of the gang also have. So do show us some love down here below. It's a Monday. I want to hear from you how your weekend was. I know there have been many developments uh, over this weekend, as we're always keeping up with, you know, what the president is saying in terms of our response to COVID-19. How are you feeling this weekend? I was under the weather. Uh, I needed to just recover and take a few days off. I am feeling so much better now and really amped up and, and quite glad, you know, here with you. On Thursday, I was actually quite sick when I was doing the show. And, and I told my colleague, Biela, off air that literally 12 minutes into the show, I wanted to like pull it quits because that's how bad I was kind of feeling. So I'm glad that I've gotten the rest that I've needed and certainly ready to give you a great edition of the Private Property Podcast this week. And talking about giving you a great edition of the podcast, you can, of course, look forward to a whole host of other shows that we have across private properties, social media pages. As it is a Monday, you can look forward to Chad on the Home Shopper show. And he also comes to your screens every single Friday with the same show, where he always takes us through great properties that you can find on www.privateproperty.co.za. And every Tuesdays and Thursdays, award-winning farmer Umbalino brings you the farming podcast, which is always in conversation with people who help us better understand all things agriculture. And on Thursdays, 
uh, on Wednesdays, rather, SC Carson brings you the first time home buyer show, which is always in conversation with property investors who've not only walked that first time home buying journey, but have gone on to grow their property portfolio from strength to strength. Those are the great shows that you can look forward to across private property social media pages. Of course, absolutely love hearing from you. So do continue engaging with us, showing us that love, and of course, sending your green hearts down here below. Well, this evening's conversation is one that I'm very, very excited about. We're already having the pre-show um, with my guests, and that's always a really great part of hosting the show. As much as you guys get to see the actual show, there's always the pre-show and the post-show that I have with the guests that's always so fantastic uh, and certainly quite valuable. And this evening we're going to look at how to sustain your property portfolio during a pandemic. One of the things that we know is that a number of property um, entrepreneurs, property investors, have some of them have either really had a difficult time managing their portfolio during this pandemic, and the others and have even managed to grow their portfolio. So sustaining, managing, and even growing your property portfolio in times of crisis. I think one of the things that this particular crisis has has led us to do is to really be uh, deliberate in, in assessing what's important, what's not important. Uh, cutting up the fat as much as possible. So we want to find out what are some of the fundamentals that as property investors we always need to have regardless of whether we're in a time of crisis or not. And then, of, and of course, when we have those fundamentals in place, it certainly helps us out when we're going to be uh, running and sustaining our property portfolios in times of crisis. And then later on, we'll be exploring how do we grow our portfolios in times of crisis? Because as, as I've shared you know, in our 300th episode, one of the mistakes you absolutely do not want to make uh, whether it's the time of crisis or not, is to overgear your portfolio. It has its downfall. Uh, so we're also going to be exploring that. And my guest this evening is, you know, one of my favorite property coaches, Robin Booth. Uh, I love keeping up with, you know, with his work, but also where he's about. He's always out and about in different corners of the country. Robin, good evening, and thank you so much for joining us again on the show. Yeah, great. Thanks to be here. And um, I think you're right there about, uh, you know, we want to be professional property investors and professional managers of our portfolios so that we can create the lives that we love to live. You know, in our pre-show, we were chatting about this Zoom background, which was Jeffrey's Bay. You know, I spent um, most of May and June right there on the water, and I still manage my portfolio. So all those kinds of things we're talking about are exactly, we're hitting the nail on the head. We want to be able to sustain, we want to be able to grow, we want to be able to thrive. So I love sharing information. As you said, you know, I'm a coach, I'm a teacher at heart. So I'm ready to really share stuff which can apply to, as you mentioned, all different kinds of investors, right? I mean, I invest in Airbnb, student housing, uh, the lower income housing, the top Atlantic seaboard here in Cape Town. So all of that, I think, applies to tonight. So I'm very excited to share the information. Look forward to it. Mm. And I think one of the great things, before before we carry on, I want to apologize to the viewers who are watching us. I know that the connection, uh, certainly on my end, because I can see my, my colleague Viola trying to you know, make the screen bigger and smaller. Uh, it's unfortunately, you know, our network that is back on us a little bit. Uh, 
but the show always goes on because we always, of course, want to unpack something relating to just, just ignore it. I think the sound is still very clear and I think that's what we're going to, to focus on. Now, Robin, I think three things that you touched on that I love is, you know, we're going to explore how to sustain, grow and also thrive in times of crisis. But before we even, you know, get to the sustainability and growing and thriving, let's first start with the basics. Because I think this is probably where different, you know, coaches or different investors may have a different view to just say some of the basics that you think are very fundamental and important for us to always keep in mind and have in place that certainly will make it easier for us to, to you know, to sustain, to grow and thrive should a crisis arise. And in the event there is no crisis, then you know what? Those are still going to uh, make sure that your your portfolio. Okay, so I, I'm assuming we just I lost you the last part there. But if we're talking about the basics, there are two I think really good quotes to look into that. The one is success is not the absence of problems, but in our ability to deal with them. And I think that's exactly what we're talking about here. So profits, success. Our well-being, happiness is not the absence of problems or pandemics or difficult scenarios, but our, our ability to deal with them. So we want to talk about that. The second thing about basics around property investing is we want to make sure that we can handle or we have factored in, or we have calculated what the downside of the risk could be. Because if we can manage that, then everything else is the upside. So if we have those two quotes on our page, on our websites, or on our um, computers, or in our walls, we're always focused on how can we manage a situation as opposed to be the victim of a situation. And I think, although we can certainly say that the pandemic that hit us has been a, a, an intense one that has certainly sideswiped a lot of people in their planning, in their uh, management, we know that here in South Africa, we've had water crisis. Cape Town had a zero water Port Elizabeth at the moment is having a serious crisis with water. We've got ESCOM dealing with us with COBOL. So the fundamentals are going to be the same. And first and foremost, for me, the rule number one is know your numbers. Know what you're spending. Know what the income is. Know what you're paying on your bond. Know what your interest rates are, what your rates are, all those things. Because if, if you can't measure something, you can't manage something. So rule number one as a coach is we've got to be able to measure because if you can't measure, how are you going to know what's working, what's not working? What could I do differently? What area could I um, work on differently? And once we know that, we can start to measure and then we can actually put something in place. So first and foremost, know your numbers. Fundamentals um, after that are going to definitely be know your tenants. You know, it might sound a bit like, well, come on, of course I know my tenants. But when you're looking at 50 leases to 100 leases to 150 leases, Sometimes you don't necessarily know who they are or, or what they're doing or where their difficulties are. And the one thing that this specific pandemic has taught me is get in contact with good communication with your tenants. Now, we should be doing that in any case, right? But certainly in a pandemic, know where they are because in my relationships with my tenants, that actually is what sustains it. And I'm not talking about I phone and speak to them. I just can't. There are way too many. But... It's a professional relationship where they know that I, I actually do care about providing them with a service because in many ways, they're my clients. Tenants, clients, the same thing. They're, they're paying me for value mm -hmm. them. And if I see it in that way, 
Money goes where value is added. And if I add value, money will always come. And I would like to actually expand on that as we go into this conversation, because that, I think, has been a key ingredient for me being able to sustain and thrive over this last year and a half is because my tenants have always felt that I'm always, always looking to see how can I improve it, as opposed to just being a slum landlord trying to extract the money out of them so that I can actually survive. So know your numbers and then certainly know your tenants are just the basic ones for step one, I reckon. Mm-hmm. And I think those are actually two very important things. Um, when we talk about know your numbers and we've done so many different shows where we look at aspects of what do we mean when we talk about knowing your numbers? Because it's one of those things that any property uh, investor, any property entrepreneur will always you know, emphasize that you need to understand your numbers uh, almost like the back of your hand. And I know that sometimes it's one of those things that when you're starting out, you're not always... Uh, very pedantic about and 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 I'll certainly uh, you know I, I think I'll confess it's one of the things that I also wasn't um, particularly pedantic about and it's only because I'm not pedantic on small detailed things and and it's just the way that I generally operate uh, so very big picture understanding the big picture but when it comes to the fine and the granular details and certain things I typically tend to struggle and I think one of the things that I realized very early on is then the importance of bringing in a resource whether it's working with um, an agency for example that then takes care of that um, but it was really important for me to also just identify that this important aspect uh, that is needed to, you know, grow uh, and certainly sustain a property portfolio, I don't have that skill set. So I need to be able to get it elsewhere. Or if I can't you know, get it elsewhere at the time, then I certainly need to work on it for myself. I know I don't have, you know, the capacity or the willingness to work on it myself. And so that's one of the things that I always uh, uh, am quite careful about. Then once we sort of get that first aspect um, right, uh, Robin, then what becomes the, the other core in terms of basics? I want us, before we go to, you know, sustaining and growing, to just round up basics, because that's not the core of our conversation. But I think these are things that you want to make sure you get right. You're going to certainly benefit when you understand them and get these things in place. Yep. So it's a great lead into actually around the pandemic conversation because um, I, I hear so much around people sharing that you make your money when you buy a property. And in my experience, that is partly true, but I get to keep a lot of my money in the way I manage my property. And that is, I believe, where the trick is. And that's what we're going to be chatting about is specifically, especially in the pandemic scenario, how do we sustain and manage that, right? The professionalism. Are we efficient have we optimized things in such a way that actually really makes sense? And I think that should be, no matter where you are in your investing cycle, are you managing that? And part of that comes into, have you factored in the possible curveballs of increased interest rates? In other words, what happens if they go back up to 20, 21% like we know they have in the past? What happens if you have a high vacancy? What happens if people lose their jobs, which we could never have foreseen in the pandemic that it happened, you know, to that degree. So do you have a cash reserve to cater for that Kerbal? You know, you talked about overgearing, and mm-hmm. I do feel that at the moment, a lot of investors and people are taking advantage of the low interest rates to 
um, take out more um, finance and affordability. And we're setting ourselves up for the next pandemic that could be coming along and the challenging situation. But that caution, disciplined investor, the professional investor, even if you have one property, I still call you a professional investor. If you're an investor, you're earning money, therefore you're a professional investor. We must treat that as a professional business. And that means taking into account some kind of a cash buffer for the rainy day. And I know that you know, as we, we start talking about that, if you haven't done that yet, then one of the things that the pandemic has taught and with the lower interest rates is some people have actually refinanced with the lower interest rates and have taken that nest egg now as a, an access bond for a future pandemic. So they never get into the situation they had last year, which was, I don't have extra cash flow, my tenants aren't paying, and now I'm really in trouble. Um, mm -hmm. And I think one of the strategies I would say, if you're in the pandemic like this and you have the low interest rates, which I'm sure we're going to chat about yeah. more, but put it in here. You know, I know a lot of people who said, I'm going to, um, refinance some of my properties, not to take the money out and spend, but I'm going to take it out to have an access facility now, such that I now have some cash flow in case something happens later on. So that would be one step in taking advantage of setting the record straight if such a thing happened, which I hope some people are doing now and not going and buying stuff actually are saying, well, here's an opportunity for me to build up some kind of a, a, a cash reserve, which they're not going to touch because that is an astute investor. Mm. And, and, you know, Rob, I actually love the fact that you've, you've highlighted low interest rates because as you and I were chatting off air, we're saying how oftentimes, uh, and we've seen this with quite a lot of, you know, ads, even on private property, estate agents are obviously going to say to consumers, you know, these are very low interest rates, they're calling on investors, uh, this is your time to buy, your bond payment is the were uh, in January last year. But as, as we were, you know, even chuckling before A, that low interest rates should probably be the last reason why you buy an investment property. Um, if, if anything, it, it's, it's a nice to have. But as you run your numbers and, and you get clear on what you want to buy, where you want to buy, um, and, and get certainly clear even on some of the returns, the low interest rates shouldn't be the primary motivator of you either starting your property portfolio or growing your property portfolio. It can be an enabler uh, because it certainly does enable you to do certain things and create certain buffers. But holistically, when we look at this, look at it, that can't be uh, you know, the core reason why we do that. And I'm so glad that we're highlighting that because oftentimes people want to go in right now because they're thinking, ah, oh, but you know, it's low interest rates. They're, they're, probably better things you could do because we have low interest rates yep. than to take on a 20-year commitment, um, especially if you're not going to be you know, strategic about it from the onset. Uh, and I like what you've just pointed out in terms of other investors who've gone to refinance um, have that, that, you know, that cash um, in the excess bond and you know that you're not going to be in this predicament anymore. So you're still keeping up with your payments, um, you know, as you would, as opposed to treating, as opposed to cashing it and buying a car, you know, Correct. never do things like that because we've also seen, unfortunately, things like that.
We are taking your questions and comments at all this evening. As I'm in conversation with Robin Booth, and we're exploring how to sustain your property portfolio during a pandemic. I want to find out from you certain strategies that you've put in place to deal with the crisis that we're finding ourselves in. And it could be, you know, from the basics, as we were chatting with Robin earlier on, that you want to get the basics right off the bat. And, you know, regardless of whether you find yourself being in a time of crisis like right now, you know that your fundamentals are in place and you'll be able to weather the, you know, the crisis storm or something that you started putting in place with pets that you saw, not just in, in you and your life, but also your tenants and their life. We've got a comment uh, from none other than Umar Tashinang is saying, I had a, a great fun hosting the show uh, last week. Big shoes to fill though. And and Magda, I think you filled them uh, quite well. Uh, maybe next time we'll, we'll do a, a nice co-hosting uh, just to make sure that you are, you know, you, you settle into it. It's unfortunate that it happened when I was sick, so couldn't really hold your hand uh, as much as I could. Now, Robin, I think then let's look at when when we want to uh, steadily grow, because I can also see we're slowly running out of time. When we want to steadily grow our portfolio, because as we're saying, some some property investors are maybe sitting maybe two or three uh, properties in your books, perhaps even more, and you're looking, look, interest rates are low, and let's use that as the hook because some of them are still using that as, as the hook. Maybe I should you know, buy two or three more properties because I'll qualify for them um, as opposed to perhaps last year where I could have only qualified for one at this particular price point. Let's look at how to, to grow with purpose as opposed to grow because of one factor that has changed uh, and yet all the other factors haven't changed. Because if we look at, you know, COJ, for example, I'm in the city of Joburg, uh, you know, municipalities have hugged up rates. Uh, the cost of certain things has certainly gone up. So other fact, other variables haven't actually gone down. Uh, we know that there's, you know, increased demand in, in housing and that's a demand that isn't going to go anywhere, particularly in certain areas. How should somebody who's looking to grow their portfolio be thinking through the growth strategy in the event where, particularly in the event where they're using, you know, the low interest rates as a hook to add on more properties to their portfolio? Yeah, and I'm actually going to give a slight twist to that as well, because growth is not only in the number of properties or units that you're yeah. adding to your portfolio, yeah. but also increasing the rental of your existing units by either additions or improvements to the property, which allow you to generate more income as well. So that's also growth. And, you know, my personal experience over this last year is because of the decreased interest rates, I certainly had a lot more cash flow. And I actually put that all into the properties and did lots of re-maintenance. So I put up new, new gates, new security systems, CCTVs, new locks, you know, like the student housing. And, and what I found out of that is it actually, we're talking about sustaining through a crisis. I had tenants who didn't dare default because they could see that I was adding more value to them. I was making this safer for them. I was adding more benefits and amenities to them. Yes, I wasn't necessarily increasing the price at that point, but I was providing something which I knew that if I had vacancies or if I had tenants who were starting to play the game of, well, you're not going to be able to evict me, so I'm not going to pay, that is going to absolutely cripple me. So I was managing that process by taking the extra income that I was getting in because of the decreased interest rates, and I was improving 
the properties around me. So that in itself was huge. Secondly, in a crisis, those people that couldn't pay the rent, such as the Uber drivers and the teachers that were at the local schools who were not getting paid, I did exchanges with them so that they would do maintenance in lieu of rental. So I kind of employed them. And in that case, I would definitely recommend that you actually do a formal exchange, not just a energy exchange, but I pay them and they pay rent. It's a proper, like the money flows. It's not just, hey, we just decrease rent and we do a swap. No, no, no. You actually pay and pay. So definitely I'd look at that. Um, But first and foremost, then, you know, before we actually even get to expanding in the number of, of units is make sure you're prepared for the next curveball that comes along. So before you get carried away with, oh, this is a great opportunity to buy more, make sure that what you've got is actually going to be attractive so that you're not losing money because tenants are saying, I can go somewhere else and get something better. So again, managing a portfolio during a, a crisis or a pandemic, I like to either drop my rentals to just below market value so they will always choose me or I like to add value at market value such that tenants again will always choose me. So I have had vacancies or delinquent payments that are like more than a month, but we're managing that, right? Like I said, with good communication, tenants don't want to default with me. So it's that for me, which is the most important thing. It's not that I've got special properties necessarily. Some of my stuff is far away. I don't see it, but it's that relationship, which is absolutely important, which actually then brings me on to your direct question, which is if you want to expand or grow in the number of units in a pandemic situation, it's relationships again, it's the estate agents, it's the attorneys, it's all the people out there who can bring you deals, because at some point, you're not going to be able to run around trying to find every deal out there. You want to be brought a deal that someone perhaps is too embarrassed to take to the public, or there's something there. And the only way that happens is if you are out there or people know about what you're looking to do. And that is something that's really important. I mean, one of the things actually is I bonded a cash property so that I would have chunks of cash to be able to take advantage of the growth that would come along. And of course, when we're taking a look at taking advantage of something, we're not saying we're taking advantage of people or their terrible situation. We're providing a solution for them because they're also in a tight spot. That also being prepared, you know, our financial year ended in end of February. My trusts, companies, those financials are done, signed off, checked. Because if something else comes up, I know banks are going to want to have all the latest financials and tax admissions. I'm ready. You know, no delays. So this is going to create the opportunities, which some people will say, oh, you're so lucky. And I'm like, no ways. I'm prepared and I'm looking for opportunities. And, and, and I think, you know, I love that you, you mentioned the admin part of it. Uh, the admin being making sure that your taxes are up to date because that is one of the areas that uh, I found some people take their feet in. And the reality is you want that area to also be adequately covered because as you are saying, the moment you see a really good deal and you probably run your numbers, you're like, this is one of those ones that uh, will come once in a blue moon you don't want it to not happen because your taxes weren't, you know, done in, in time and filed in time. Uh, it would it should rather be because, you know, somebody uh, outbid your, your offer and you're just like, I actually only want to go up to X amount. 
and nothing more than that. But it should never be because of something that you have done. We are taking your questions and comments this evening as we look at how to sustain your property portfolio during a pandemic. My guest is Robin Booth, who's a property coach. We've got a great question here. Um, and and this, this person is based in Cape Town, so I know you're familiar with, with this part. It's a great question because a lot of people, particularly in Cape Town, have asked this one. The question is from coming from Facebook is from Shahida Davids, who asks, the low interest rates have caused property prices to go up, especially in lower income areas. How do you identify opportunities? This is that, and, and we've seen this one, right, Robin, that I think oftentimes the, the, the spaces where you've had a great um, opportunity to, to sort of chase down price is in the 3, 3M and above, you're able to kind of negotiate it lower. So 3.5 and above, we've seen that people are able to negotiate lower. Unfortunately, we found that in the, I think, below 1.5 even some of the properties of you know the prices have gone higher especially as the interest rates went lower and then stayed lower whereas in the beginning they were going down and you were able to negotiate down but i see that both sellers and unfortunately estate agents are riding on people in this sort of income bracket can now increase the prices. So how do you go about spotting those opportunities in low income areas, especially in Cape Town? Because I, I want us to, because Cape Town is, is unfortunately the black sheep of the family where uh, property prices are absolutely insane. So in the context of Cape Town, how can they best do that? I'm going to also throw another curveball into this. So part of my job, I guess, as a coach is to always kind of up unpack what we may be missing. And for a lot of people, like that question was a great question, but the question again alludes to how do we find the right property? Now, that's one avenue. And we all know that. We put our alerts, you know, in private property. We say, if you see a property between this value with this number of units or in this area, let me know. That's one area, right? It's one way. For me, opportunities are also people, not just the actual property in real estate. People are opportunities. Now, one of my clients came to me and said, well, you know, Robin, we're stuck because we're not getting anywhere. And I said, what are you doing to access the people that you have not yet accessed? And basically, I gave them the homework to say that for the next day, every day, you have to find two people and ask them two questions. Who can you introduce me to who you know that may be able to lead me to a good property deal? which means now that you are asking someone and out of that one conversation, you're going to be finding and being introduced to, not referred to, introduced to, because someone can easily just refer, no, no, we want an introduction. And it might not be the first one, not the second one, but the third day down the line, you're suddenly finding an attorney, someone else, a new estate agent, a friend down the road who wants to sell. And suddenly you realize that actually your Property portfolio expansion is not dependent on just an online random search, but is on your strategicness to actually expand where you're going and who knows what you're looking for. So when that starts coming to play, just imagine what will happen after one week, let alone after two weeks, where on 14 days, you have asked two people every day. That's 28 new people and new contacts exponentially going, which leads to a huge number. And we start to realize that your network starts to impact your net worth. And then you'll be saying, 
I actually don't have time to go view properties. I don't have time to do all this because you are inundated with, with so much more. And especially in Cape Town, because that's where I am based, right? My, my, most of my portfolio is here in Cape Town. So I know exactly what, what he's referring to is the challenges of finding them and then getting there and getting in before everyone else. So rule number one is look where you're not looking, which is probably people. Okay. I, I was going to ask you a follow-up, but I see that we're also running out of time. I want to squeeze in Dogozom Bele's question on uh, Facebook. Dogozom asks, how has the pandemic affected the student housing portion of Robin's portfolio with students being away since the pandemic? I know how you've done this because I've, I've kept up with uh, you know how you've been managing your portfolio. Can you share with our listeners, um, Robin, in terms of how you've been able to manage the student accommodation portion of your portfolio? For me, very easily, which is they don't want to lose their place. So they will pay, they paid all of their rentals, even though they were not there, even though the, some of the properties were, well, kind of vacant because they knew that they would not find something better and they knew they were getting the value for money. That's my rule of thumb is if I provide that value, they will come again and again and again. And especially in student housing, I don't subscribe to a 10-month year, a 10-month academic year where all I'm going to get is 10 months of leases. I'm wanting 12 months of leases because I know that if they want to come back for year two, year three, and year four, they will gladly pay an extra November and December. Even if NASFAS doesn't pay that, they will pay that out of their own money. They will get the auntie and the uncle and the cousin and everyone to chip in because they know they're not going to get something like that um, for the same price somewhere else. So again, it's management of your properties. It's you know taking care of your tenants in a way that makes them say, this is a landlord that I want. Because we know that tenants are becoming pickier in not just choosing the property, they're starting to choose the landlord because the mm-hmm. landlord is the one that tells them, are they safe? Is the response time good? Are they professional? And they will gladly pay a little bit more to have a professional experience than some one down the road who just you know, doesn't fix stuff and doesn't clean stuff. And, and that's been my trick. And I tell that to all of my students and I would say it again, money will go where value is added. Mm. And and I think Robin, a follow up on that because Ndogozo is probably wondering. Okay, so what what is the the secret sauce, as it were, right? Because uh, I know, for example, in in the Cape Town student accommodation market, what you're saying is able to to hold regardless because finding a place at a particular price point that gives a certain type of value is a mission. I I was once upon a very long time ago, had to go through trying to find a place in that region and it was it was a mess. Whereas in Joburg, it's slightly different also in certain parts of Joburg, depending where you are, uh, or rather in Gaudeng, in some aspects it's slightly oversaturated and others, you'll still find students who, you know, sort of moved in and stayed in even during the pandemic. Perhaps share with us when you talk about you know how money will go where value um, is added what value are you talking about particularly in student accommodation because I, I want to um, certainly help viewers at home who are either in student accommodation or exploring going to student accommodation especially these per- during this period where if you already have it maybe this is something that you could already start putting in place now or get it as you get ready for the new year uh, if you're looking to go into student accommodation then you know that look if I get some of this or add value in this way 
even though we're going to probably have another lockdown and, you know, a wave four and five and six next year, I know that I'm doing this and, and I'm providing this kind of value and students, are, you know, not only appreciate, but pay for that kind of value. Um, so first and foremost is cleanliness. So that just differentiates you from everyone else. Is, that, is the place clean? And I'm referring to the common spaces, the kitchens, the lounges, the toilets. You know, it's shared spaces. So we need to make sure it's clean. And this isn't just about pandemic and about hygiene. This is just everyday general stuff. Like, is your place clean? Because that reflects the landlords. Um, like, am I providing you with a clean space, the right to the clean space, right? The second one is safety, especially in the lower income or in the areas where there's already safety issues is, are you providing a safe space? So in my case, I've got like key coded gates on all the doors as well, you know, the exit entrance doors, um, as boundary gates, and a lot of that's all remote controlled as well. So all those kinds of things mean that once they're inside, they can be totally relaxed and safe. And the other one that I've been prioritizing, and it's actually, believe it or not, only in this last two months that we, we managed to get fiber into the neighborhood because there was no fiber there. But of course, if you're a student, you need good fiber. And sometimes happens, and this might be something that's important for some of our listeners, is even though you might not have good fiber or high speeds yet, make sure that you have routers that can manage the bandwidth per student so that one student doesn't hog the bandwidth and then everyone else is like, we just can never get anywhere because it's very difficult to manage if you do not know what you're doing. So there, I would definitely have those specific management routers where you can actually say, you can only allocate this much bandwidth to students so that everyone else still feels they're getting their fair share. So that's very simply, it's not about you have to be close to the university or not. It's not about is there a shop nearby or not. It will come down to cleanliness, um, how you manage it, your response time. If they say something, do you actually respond or you're just like, sure, I'll deal with it in two months' time. So again, relationships, professionalism, and then you'll have people come back again and again. Mm. And, and I think, uh, Robin, before we wrap up, because I see we have run out of time, any final tips for viewers at home uh, when it comes to sustaining their property portfolio during this uh, pandemic? Assume that the curveball is going to come so that you can actually prepare for it mentally, because that, I think, threw a lot of, pe lot of people. They weren't prepared to pivot or, or handle stuff um, when it happened. And in our case, or in my case, as soon as stuff happened, as soon as we heard lockdowns, we were in communication with our tenants, uh, with the students. We, we asked them, like, if you got COVID, what would you like to do? Stay or go home? We were, we were pivoting and adapting. And again, you know, there's no one fixed right or wrong in property investing. That's how you manage it. So in this case, be prepared, be organized, measure what's going on and um, manage effectively. Mm. And I think to, to end off, we've got Howard Mogatane, another top fan uh, gang member who was, of course, a special guest during our 300th episode, saying, Giza goes in the morning, get it fixed, same day for an evening hot shower. Wi-Fi goes, give 100 gig backup mobile data. Plumbing challenges, get that immediately attended to. Efficient support to your tenants. And really echoing what Robin says is that when there's an issue with your unit from any of your tenants, deal with it swiftly because you don't want a tenant who's you know sitting with no hot water for two, three, four days on end and you're blasé about it. Uh, Robin, we are certainly going to leave it there this evening. Thank you so much for joining us. It's all it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Excellent. Thanks so much. Great to see you again.
And that is Robin Booth, who is a property coach. If you want to get in touch with him, you can message him down here below. And I think the big message for this evening's conversation is adapt, adapt, adapt. You want to make sure that you're as agile as possible in times of crisis, because that really is a crucial skill set, not just as a property investor, but certainly anywhere, even in your career. I think a lot of us in different industries have seen the need to be able to adapt, to pivot, and to be agile uh, in order to be able to address and deal with the pandemic and also thrive because I think nobody wants to, we don't know how long we're going to be in this situation. If we're going to be like this for the next three years, you may not want to be sort of stagnant for that full three-year term. So how can you also make sure that you're able to thrive even in times of crisis? Well, that ends this evening's edition of the Private Property Podcast with myself, Uzamantu Kumalo. Do hope you've had a great evening and a great show and really starting uh, the Monday edition. I'll be back on your screens tomorrow evening at 7 p.m. Until then, hoping you're staying home and staying safe. Robin, thank you so much. Welcome to Home Shopper Show and what a special month this month is going to be. We've just come back from touring the mother city and showing you some of the most opulent homes that Cape Town has to offer. Now we started off in Constantia, there by the hotels by the wine farms, touring a beautiful home that crested and overlooked all of the mountain ranges in Cape Town. From there we shot across down to Bloberg and showed you what a seaside home looks like. We also went to Valdeville, to the place where everybody likes to relax, enjoy the view, enjoy retirement. We showed you a home that I say its architecture only quite is beaten by the decor of that home. We also went and toured the university town of Stellenbosch, which was incredible, the Zelza estate. And then we came all the way back to the famous Camps Bay, to show you what being a millionaire and living in Camps Bay in Cape Town feels and looks like. Guys, there's so much to show you. There was so much that we did and so much that we spoke about. So make sure you tune in every Monday and every Friday at 8 p.m. on Facebook, Private Property, The Home Shopper Show. See you there.